Hello, I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. We are in the haunted holidays. Yes, and the king of the haunted holidays. Yes. Krampus not. Krampus not. Yes, this is my, oh, this is my Christmas. (laughs) I love that this is your holiday. So let's talk about who who is Krampus I think we need to start there don't you I think so the way to describe it is like so you're you're you know you're in Bavaria or Germany and now a few cities in the United States are actually taking advantage of that and it's generally December 5th and you'll usually see the start of the holiday tradition at you know elsewhere we started at Thanksgiving here in the U.S. But overseas, it tends to start with around this time. And you'll see the man in the Santa suit marching down the sidewalk, usually playing some strange trumpet or mm-hmm. instrument. That's why we sometimes see him with the trumpets. That's from the European tradition of St. Nicholas as he's marking his way down. It's St. Nicholas Day is December 6th. So this is kind of his preparation for his feast. On December 5th, the night before, it's kind of like how All Hallows' Eve predates All Saints' Day. This is the night before. And Krampusnacht, although it gets its origins from Germanic folklore, and it's kind of spread all over Europe, though, Re- fairly recently. It was a German tradition, very limited for a while, but I think it got popular. I like to say... Krampusnacht is kind of where zombies were in the late 90s, right? It was it was starting to become a thing, and then it blew up. And I think Krampus has done that. I think it hit now where Krampus everywhere. There's how many Krampus movies are there? We we looked. There's a dozen. There least. is so you know what year? It's interesting. So it was actually 2015. Yes. There's some movies before. We're going to talk about them, but 2015. So a surge in Krampus movies. Yeah, like like to the tons. It was it was crazy. So it moved over here to the US fairly recently and it's become a focus of a lot of festivals and parades. I know Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Washington DC, Bloomington, Indiana. There's you know, and and, and Krampus has started showing up on TV shows and stuff like that. He's he's becoming more popular. So what is he, right? Santa's doing his spiel, and then there are all these little demons running around behind him with glowing eyes, and they've got whips and bells, and they're screaming you know, to the kids, have you been naughty? Well, Santa's still playing his freaking trumpet, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they've got long tongues. It's really, really crazy. So the origin of Krampus is pretty much unknown. We don't know. Most anthropologists kind of say it is similar to a lot of pre-Christian stuff, going back, you know, pagan mythology. And then some people are like, oh, it's the Wiccan deity, the horned god of the witches. You know, he gets assimilated into the Christian devil. 
basically. And that's what he looks like. He, he's got the he's got the whole uh, the hooves. He's got the tail. He's got the forked tongue. He's got horns. And since our you know we pretty much pre Christian Europe is fuzzy at best to us, right? Well, you know, for the yeah. history the, the that's Druids, been rewritten. Yeah, and the Druids didn't write much down, or if they did, it got destroyed in Alexandria. And a lot of their stuff got absorbed into our stuff. So it's like, oh yeah, we it's a it's a Christian tradition for the horned god. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, 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 wait. But around the 11th century is when he starts really showing up. Yeah. Right? And that's where all this happens. So that's why I'm like, what the heck is this? One thing we should say about a lot of the um, previous stories and things even of this time is these, I want to say characters that are talked about, these creatures, these beings, were not love and fun. Like Santa Claus is this whole premise, and I'm not even going to go into all the, you know, when Christmas versus, you know, solstice and all that stuff, but, you know, he's fun and wonderful, but a lot of these characters, like Krampus, they're not fun and wonderful like that's not their jam at all no, no it's 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 basically on krampus knock basically a bunch of men get dressed as krampuses yes uh, usually men and they run around drink a bunch of alcohol run through the streets and scare the bejesus out of children yes and the whole premise is because krampus if you're good all christmas all, all holiday season, Santa will give you presents. And if you're bad, Krampus is going to pick you up, put him in his basket on his back and feed you hot coals. And that's where we get the, you get coal for Christmas if you're bad, right? Well, Krampus was hot coals, but that's not safe. So that's why it turned into regular coal. <laughs> but, and now with the price of coal, it's, uh, you know, it's almost... You know, worthwhile to not do that. But nowadays they appear together. You always see Saint Nicholas with Krampus because they're they're working together. They, you know, one is the good guy, one is the bad guy. Yeah. And we discussed this on our movie episode earlier, which was that uh, you know, there there's the one movie that I talked about where Santa versus the devil, and that actually was pre-Krampus knocked. I think they were actually dipping back into that. Yeah, and it's becoming super popular in the United States because, hey, you get to go out, get drunk, you get to wear a Halloween costume and you get to, uh, you know, slap bells and slap whips around. And these festivals have been going on for ages. Now, our good friend of the podcast, Chris Kulstrom, she wrote a book called Drawn to the Dark. We mentioned it back in our must reads for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And she he traveled the world viewing scare tourism for a year. She literally gave up her all her possessions, her life, and basically traveled everywhere to see what she could find, right? And she spent a year of her life working on this. But one of the first things she does, because she started it at Christmas, was go to Krampusnacht, right? Yes. And she actually went to Bavaria the home of the OG Krampus Knock. And they still do it there every year. And you too can go there. It is one of the biggest events of the year there. Uh, you can, it's tough to get 
tickets this time of year for European travel to this area because it is so important to them. And it's just, it's so different from the sanitized version of Christmas we get, right? Yeah. It alludes to a time when we were cultured closer to nature and the natural cycles of the year. That's why it's so popular. And there's just this light and darkness, life and decay. And that's why they play together, right? And that's just how it goes. I, I think the Krampus itself, goodness, it's just one of those, where does he come from? That's why it's so drawing. There's a, a few characters similar to him called uh, Klobloff. Or Pofi, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing these German and uh, Germanic names. That's okay, at least I'm not having to do it. <laughs> You're not having to do it, right? And the, uh, gosh, the switch where he gets the switch and hits them and kidnapping him into baskets, we can't figure out where any of that happened, right? That's what's cool about this. We've got all these several origins blending together. He's like a cryptid. For Christmas, because there's all these different origins of different stories. He's basically a holler monster from Europe, but he ties into Christmas so much. Bavaria, it's just where it's become the big thing. And it was probably mostly after the Thirty Years' War, sometime late 1600s or mid 1600s. And the death rate from that war was insane. So we think that's where this guy comes from. And there's also this other character that used to appear around that time in those writings named Perchta. And it was like a witch who would disembowel girls who hadn't used up all their wool by Christmas what? And, or by December 12th, because that meant you had to, you were too slow. You were lazy. Oh, so, you know, you have you, knitting clothes is essential for survival over there in the 1600s. So this was basically an extension of that. And we think maybe that's where this character kind of started. And it blends with Bald Mountain and and all that stuff, Walpurgis Nacht and all that. So it, it just fits that turn of the wheel type feel to it. And I think that's just, you know, I think he was used as an educational tool. Don't be bad, you know, and, you know, be, be obedient. That's what it always is. Well, and I have to say, I do love that on this particular thing is that it's not simply you'll just get coal in your stocking. It's like this tragically horrible thing will happen to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Disemboweled or a hot coal shoved in, into places best left unmentioned. You know, uh, it's not like he just fed them to you. No, he puts them in all your openings. That was what the original legends of this kind of lean towards. Now, that's why it's kind of why he's so cool is that they have these different versions of him because he's got this vague origin. Yeah, of course, the demonic imaging happens. What happened was around Victorian times, they started doing Christmas cards with Krampus in England. And really? they started being sent out to people. And it was basically kind of like the joke Christmas card that you would send out to the people that you knew were bad. And they even sent like female versions of Krampus where they're putting men into their baskets on the back because they've been bad. 
And so we start getting the more playful version of Krampus here. It becomes a little more distorted. And again, since it's so vague, the history of them and everything, you know, what else are you going to do? You know, it's that's that's where this just comes from. Oh, my gosh. It's some of those images are a delight. You definitely will put a link to some they of those. Are in, yeah. And they absolutely sort of scream cryptid. They scream cryptid. Krampus looks like a cryptid. And I love seeing people dressed up as Krampus. It is yeah. one of some of the most creative costumes I've seen are people dressed up as Krampus. Yeah. And now the one time we have to kind of say maybe Krampus was real. Oh, there's a time we can say he was real. And that is what is known as the devil's footprints. Okay. So this occurs in February 1885 in England. And it is in the town of South Devon. Oh, there's another town nearby. Uh, it's an estuary and I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, they had a snowfall in 1855. And they noticed hoof marks overnight in the snow. And they cover a distance of 40 to 100 miles. Wow. And they say, oh, it's cloven hoof. So it must be the tracks of Satan, right? And some people were like, oh, no, it was Krampus. It's February, but now we associate it with Krampus. But these hoof-like marks, basically, they measure about four inches long. And about three inches across. And they were between eight and 16 inches apart. And pretty much single file. I need to make a joke. They walk single file to hide their numbers. To hide their numbers. Yes. Yes. And this thing goes across 30 places. Including houses. Wow. Rivers. Haystacks. And you know that fun where you know oh there's a rock in the way there's a there's a house in the way it literally looks like it walks up the side of the wall goes over the roof and it walks down the other side of the wall 1855 one night who does this we're gonna read from the weekly dispatch okay dated february 18th it appears on thursday night there was a heavy snowfall in the neighborhood of exeter south of devon there we go uh, on the following morning, the inhabitants of the above towns were surprised at discovering footmarks of some strange and mysterious animal endowed with the power of ubiquity, as the footprints were seen in all kinds of unaccountable places, on the tops of houses and narrow walls and gardens and courtyards enclosed by high walls and palings as well as in open fields. The superstitious go so far as to believe these are the marks of Satan himself and that great excitement has been produced among all classes and that the subject has been descended from the pulpit. But the impressions of the foot closely resembled that of a donkey's shoe and measured from an inch and a half in some instances to two and a half inches across. Here and there it appears as if cloven, but in the generality of the steps, the shoe was continuous and from the snow in the center remained entire merely showing that the outer crest of the foot, so it must have been concave. This thing, you know, most people say, oh, it's a hoax, right? Because somebody eyewitness... went out of their way with cloven things to do this in the middle of the night? Yeah. I don't think so. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, oh, it was donkeys, it was horses. Well, how the heck did they get on the roof? Yeah. You know? And then some people said, oh, it was some guy came up with a brilliant idea. It was a kangaroo that got loose in the area. A kangaroo. Okay. Another person thought hopping mice could have been trained to do hopping this. Hopping mice. Oh, God. And then the last one, which is the more the science theory, right? Guess what? It's our old friend, the weather balloon. It's 1855. There isn't weather balloons in balloon, And it was just flowing along the wind, and that's why it drags for 30 miles. It had, like, something dragging that looked like, just happened to look like cloven footprints. It probably was a you know, a horseshoe dangling on the bottom of a balloon string, and it just blew through the town. 100 miles? Dragging? A, a, how did it get up over things? If a balloon's down dragging, it's going to keep going down, not back up. It's... I don't know. It's very bizarre. And there there may have been a previous encounter 15 years earlier, somewhere in Scotland. But I like to think that that was Krampus making his rounds. He was just around in February. He was doing a pre-Valentine's Day check. <laughs> you know what? It's interesting about this as a creature and as a cryptid is it has a very human-like mentality. Yeah. Are you good or bad? I'm only going to punish the bad ones. But those footprints, that's one of my favorite unexplained mysteries from history. I'm going to say this is if this is a hoax, I'm just going to give mad cred to whoever did it because that's a lot of effort. Well, 1855, they didn't have anything better to do. So let's figure it out. I I love some of these theories, though. I like the jumping mice. The jumping mice. mice. And that would have taken a lot of work, but. I can't get Claudius to do anything but just look at me. So I can't imagine training mice to hop over a building. Just the effort it would take. No. And they'd have to be wearing horseshoes, so they'd have to hop to make that hoof print. It'd be a lot of hopping of multiple mice. It is just a ridiculous amount of effort at this point in time. Isn't it just easier to think of Krampus? You know, yes. And looking in on everybody's windows to make sure they're being good for his December trip coming because it was an unusual snow that late in February is the only reason he got caught. Yes. Yes. True. Um, so don't you have like a poem or something for Krampus? Well, well not for Krampus because we're going to go, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to discuss some other weird things for the holidays. Well, we need to take a quick break, but I want to throw in the Krampus movies before we take our oh, break. Yeah, you've got your list. Let's do I it. I got my list. You can see it because you can see me. But here we go for Krampus movies because I, you know, okay. Yep. So in 2008, there's one called The Children, which mm. kids get sick and then turn demonic. It involves Christmas. There is uh, an anthology horror story, which is called The Christmas Horror Story, which is anthologies that has... An amazing, amazing Krampus um, story in it. There's, of course, Krampus the Reckoning, which Mm. involves an orphan summoning Krampus to help take revenge, which you got to love a good orphan revenge story that involves a cryptid. Then there's just Krampus, which was both Krampus the Reckoning and Krampus were in 2005. So it's a horror movie about Krampus. But my started exploding over here. My favorite, which goes into all of the lore and everything in a way, is Mother Krampus. 
which is from 2017, wherein Krampus is actually the end result of a witch mother. So it goes into the very metaphysical blah, 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 witchiness, Krampus, horror stories. And with that, travelers, you have your epic list of Krampus horror stories that you can watch this holiday season. But Mark has more. After we talk about these other things coming up, I want to mention one movie. We already mentioned it on our best movies, but we'll mention it again at the end of this because you'll see how it ties into all this. But with that, listeners, let's take a quick break from our haunted holiday sponsors. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Eerie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Oh, greetings, travelers. Welcome back. Greetings, travelers. Yes, we are enjoying our trip into the dark nights of the holidays. and Those things that go epically bump in the night that you do not leave cookies and milk for. Yep, yep. And we're we're definitely on, we've done the Bavarian now. Yes, yes, yes. So we're now going to go more to Iceland. So... I know what we're going to talk about. And I went to Iceland this year. Oh, I mean, last year. And I know all about this particular character, cryptid, whatever we want to call it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, then why don't you go ahead and do it? So they have a very, very interesting lore there that involves something that should be Halloween related, but it's not. So. I'm going to tell the story how I found out about this and then discuss what this is. So the story of how I found out about this is I have a very good friend, Robert. Shout out, Robert. His um, husband, Tommy, listens to the show. And we went to Iceland for a friend's wedding. And he loves Christmas. It's his favorite holiday. So anytime there's a Christmas store, we end up going into the Christmas store. And he always wants to get a 
ornament from the country we're in. So we go in there and I see these ornaments that have this black screaming cat on them. And I'm like, what the hell is, are these Halloween ornaments? Like, cause we were there in August. So I was like, yeah. what is this? So I went up to the person who's running the store. Cause I actually ended up buying one of these ornaments for my friend that runs Enchanted Flower Bake Shop, Brandy. Um, shout out Enchanted Flower in Pennsylvania. Um, and I bought her one of these, but I was like, what is this? And they told me the story of what this is, right? Because this is the Yule Cat. And the Yule Cat, the entire premise of this is if children are not given new clothing by a certain time, the Yule Cat comes and eats them. Right. It is a gigantic black cat. And it prowls around and it it goes along a little bit with what you were saying about Krampus right. and the woolen stuff, because as if they don't have new wool clothing. And here's the funny part. This is not the children's fault, but no. this is to anybody who doesn't yeah. have new clothing for the winter time. They get eaten by the Yule cat. And there are variants where it's like people are rushing to put just like a patch on their shirt or just putting a little thing on their shoe or just anything to avoid being eaten by the by, giant cat. By a giant now, cat. Now, where does the cat come from? The cat has a mom. The, the cat, cat has a mom? Very much mom. like Krampus has a witch mom. I right. love this. Let's continue. Yes. Well, this is Gorilla, and she's an ogress. She is the mother of monsters in Icelandic lore, right? Okay. She, kind of the boogeyman right early days she's not even really linked to the holidays she's just this menace to children okay and they describe her as basically a parasitic beggar she wanders around asking parents to give her their disobedient children and you can either give her food or chase her away and she gets forced out of a town and lives in a cave some of the stories she's living in a house. So it's very classic swamp witch, you know, witch of the town. Sounds uh, like it. But she can detect children year round if they're misbehaving. She doesn't just oh. do holidays. She knows. But uh, during the holidays, she comes down from the mountain and she searches for her meal. And she hunts children's and she carries them home in her sack. And she will okay. devour the children. And her favorite dish is a stew. So she's got the cauldron. She's got all the classic witch stuff. And she's been married three times. And I am not oh, even going to Wait, attempt. wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I thought my Yule cat was so fantastical. Oh, wait. The story. No, no. I just need to make sure I understood what you just said. So yeah. this ogress that may have been in a cave, but may have been in a house, also was married? Yes, three different times to three different husbands. Uh, but her third husband is Lepaldi. And he lives in her cave. And he is the one who gave her the big black Yule cat. So her third husband, as a present, gave her the gigantic... 
Okay, I would just, I feel like authors who are listening to this need to write this story because the Yule Cat is not like a little kitty cat that you hand no. to somebody. Oh, no, it's Yule Kaiju. Cat is a, Kaiju yeah. cat, yeah. Uh, I can't pronounce the Icelandic name. I'm not going to try. It's like Yaklaturin is the, the cat. And my gosh, they, they really, Yule Cat seems to be recent, like 19th century where Grilla... She goes back to the 13th century. Lapaldi goes back to the 15th century. So it's like the story continues and people keep adding to the mythology. Now, Yule Cat, as a, you know, a man-eating beast, comes from this guy who wrote a bunch of poems about these characters in folklore. And there is a passage about it, about Yule Cat. But... This third husband was gave Grilla something else besides the cat. Was it a venereal disease? He gave her 13 children. That's kind of like a venereal disease. Now, these 13 children are very mischievous and pranksters, and they harass the population, and they all have descriptive names that generally talk about their way of causing problems. And they arrive over the final 13 nights leading up to Yule. They sometimes leave small gifts in shoes that are placed on window seals. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Oh, but you if, know what? One of our listeners asked about the anyway. Go ahead. Leaving shoes outside, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you do it, at, you know. But if you've been disobedient, what do you get from these guys? Um, I'm sure it's not coal shoved down your throat. So what is the option here? A rotten potato. That Put that, that in your shoe. Yeah, that is that could be disgusting, a rotten potato. Yeah. Now, they recently have kind of turned these guys a little more benevolent uh, and are trying to make them seem like something kind of more traditionally Santa Claus-ish. But generally, the old stories come forward. And it helps because there's this amazing poem. And so the 13 nights before Christmas, beginning on the 12th of December, one of them comes each day into town. And they stay for all the 13 days because there are 13 of them. But on the last day, they depart, right? I'm going to give you their names. And I'm going to do the English version of their names because I would murder the Icelandic versions of their names. So I'm giving the translated names. So we're going to start on December 12th. And the first one, Sheep Coat Claude. What sheep does coat, she... like he's wearing a, the coat of a sheep he probably yes. murdered? C-O-T-E, coat. Sheep Coat Claude. What does he do? He harasses sheep. Of course he does. But he's not very good at it because he's got peg legs. You and peg leg things, I'm telling All you. Right. All right, so the next guy comes on the 13th. This guy's name is Gully Gawk. <laughs> That's a name. He hides in gullies. And then he waits for an opportunity to sneak into a cow shed and steal milk. Okay. The next one, great name, Stubby. He's very short and he steals pans so that he can eat whatever's left on him. Okay. Crust. The next one, this is going to be, I think, one of your favorites, Erica. I'm sure. Spoon liquor. 
Ooh. Ooh, Lika. I enjoy what that. Is, what do you think he steals? I'm going to say baked goods, but I could be wrong. He steals spoons. Oh, only spoons? <laughs> See, that's not he's, nearly he's, as fun. He, and he likes them because he's very thin, because he's malnourished. Okay. All right. So then the next guy, his brother, Pot Scraper. Does he steal pot scrapers? What? He steals pots. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right. Now the next one, this one likes to hide under the bed and waits for uh, someone to uh, use a, a bowl with a lid instead of dishes that he steals. Okay. This is bowl liquor. Okay. All right. Now the next guy, he pretty much does as his name says right his name door slammer okay so what do you think he does you know so the one thing i'm gonna say i have to say at this point is these are lame jobs they must have done something really bad to get roped into doing these uber lame jobs well when you got a giant cat at home your mom's an ogress and Yo, know, you you kind of, and then your dad named you these things. Yo, know, you pretty much you're kind of doomed to these things. So, so this is the nature versus nurture thing that I was talking about previously. Just throwing that out there. If you give kids horrible names and horrible jobs, this is what you get. I think it's terrible. So the next guy. Now this one won't probably make sense to us. His name is Skier Gobbler. Skewer gobbler? Skewer gobbler. S-K-Y-R. And what skewer is, you were in Iceland. Do you remember what that is? No, but thank that's, you for calling like, me out. That's their that's their yogurt. Oh, yes, it is. I love their yogurt. So, so guess what he steals? He steals their the- yogurt. Yeah. What, is she, what do you do? Could you imagine all these nightmare creatures sitting around like a campfire yeah. going, what do you do? I steal yogurt. What's, I steal yogurt. Well, do? the next one you're going to love too. He's sausage swiper. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, Not like that to, kind of sausage, you dirty-minded traveler. He likes to grab the ones that are being smoked for Christmas. So. Yeah, uh, that's, that's right, exactly what I was one, thinking. The next one I think we all know. His name is Window Peeper. Wow. The yeah. sausage stealer and the window peeper are back-to-back. That back sounds to back. appropriate. Now, this next guy, he's got a name that I'm, I certainly wouldn't want. It's Doorway Sniffer. <laughs> oh, one of the worst jobs humanly possible. What do you he do? Well, I sniff really large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate loaf bread. Or leaf okay. bread. Next one, next to last. We're at the penultimate here. Okay. Meat hook. Meat hook, huh? He's got a hook hand and he, he steals, steals meat, meat, so he's Candyman. But yeah, <laughs> you don't have to say his name three times for him to show up, though. And now the last one, the worst of the bunch. This guy comes on Christmas Eve, candle stealer. He steals your candles. They used to be made there out of tallow, so they were edible. He will eat your candles. Well, and I have to say, at that point in time, that actually would have been a pretty cr- terrible thing to have happen to lose your candles, because that's how they have light. Yeah, exactly. And especially there. Now, you know, the the Yule lads, 
are becoming a little more popular recently, but again, they they haven't quite blown up like Yule Cat and Krampus or anything. But I do love that they each have their own little care, you know, their little prank. And I like the 90% of them steal food. Now there's a very popular, you know, there's a poem that kind of made it popular in the 1930s in Iceland. And they, they go, sheep goat clawed. The first of them was sheep coat clawed. He came stiff as wood to prey upon the farmer's sheep as far as he could. He wished to suck the ewes, but it was no accident he couldn't. He had stiff knees and was not too convenient. Now, so the poem doesn't go well because I'm translating it to English. So, uh, Gully Gawk. The second was Gully Gawk. Gray his head and mean. He snuck into the cow barn from his craggy ravine. Hiding in the stalls, he would steal the milk while the milkmaid gave the cowherd a meaningful smile. Stubby was the third called, a stunted little man who watched for every chance to whisk off of a pan. And scurrying away with it, he scraped off the bits that stuck to the bottom and brims were his favorites. The fourth was spoon liquor. Like spindle, he was thin. He felt himself in clover when the cook wasn't in. Then stepping up, he grappled the stirring spoon with glee, holding it with both hands, for it was slippery. <laughs> How cool is this, right? Very. Hot scraper the fifth was a funny sort of chap. When the kids were given scrappings, he'd come to the door and tap, and they would rush to see if there really was a guest. But then he hurried to the pot and had a scraping fest. Bowl liquor the sixth was shockingly ill-bred. From underneath the bedsteads, he stuck his ugly head. And when the bowls were left to be licked by dog or cat, he snatched them for himself, for he was sure good at that. The seventh was Door Slammer, a sorry vulgar chap. When people in the twilight would take a little nap, he was happy as a lark, with havoc he could wreak, slamming doors and hearing the hinges on them squeak. Skier Gobbler the eighth was an awful stupid bloke. He lambasted the skier tub till the lid on it broke. Then he stood there gobbling, his greed was well known. Until about to burst, he would bleat, howl, and groan. The ninth was Sausage Swiper, a shifty pilferer. He climbed up to the rafters and raided food from there. That's a terrible rhyme. <laughs> Sitting on a crossbeam in soot and in smoke, he fed himself on sausage fit for gentlefolk. The tenth was Window Peeper, a weird little twit, who stepped up to the window and stole a peek through it. And whatever was inside to which his eye was drawn, he was most likely attempted to take later on. Eleventh was Door Sniffer, a doltish lad and gross. He never got a cold, yet had a huge and sensitive nose. He caught the scent of lace bread whilst leagues away still, and ran toward it weightless as wind over dale and hill. Meat Hook, the twelfth one, his talent would display as soon as he arrived, usually on St. Thorax Day. He snagged himself a morsel of meat of any sort, and although his hook at times was a tiny bit short. The thirteenth was Candle Beggar. T'was cold, I believe, if he was not the last of the lot on Christmas Eve. He trailed after the little ones who, like happy sprites, ran about the farm with their fine tallow lights. 
So there you go. That's from a 1932 translation of an older poem. So I uh, did want to go with it. The translation was by Halberg Halmanson. So, you know, thanks for that, Halberg. And the original poem is probably from Johannes und Kotlum, who basically wrote this down for the first time. But it, it's an older poem that's been told over and over again in Iceland. So there you go, gang. Wow. Um, I think we can vote for the worst named evil creatures in the entire world. I, I think they've got a problem. And their poor mom, man, having to deal with all that. Now, there are some versions where they say it's her brothers. Maybe, you know, Gorilla gets a little bad rap. Maybe her cat is just, you know, the, the only other problem. So we have one last holiday cryptid kind of thing I want to talk about. Again, it's more of a just a tradition. And that is the Mary Lude, which is not Lude, L-E-W. It's L-Y-A-W-D. Thank you, Welsh pronunciations. And okay. this... What is the Mary Lude? It is a hobby horse made from a horse's skull, mounted on a pole, and then carried by someone hidden underneath it with a cloth. So it is a ghost horse that comes to your door sometime around holiday season. Sometimes it used to be called the gray mare, but Mary Lude is the, you know, where it really comes from. Uh, and it would show up and it was basically pre-holiday traditions. It goes back to that wonderful song, Here We Go a Wassailing. Which that is a wonderful song. Do we mean you have different versions of what a wonderful song is? <laughs> well, the fun thing about wassailing is people go, what the hell is wassailing? Yeah, because I don't know what the hell wassailing is. There's a great, one of those holiday episodes we didn't discuss. We were talking about things to watch. The Claymation Christmas special, which remember when the California Raisins were a thing? Yes, I do. They did a whole Claymation special, which is a bunch of songs. The joke, the running gag was they couldn't figure out wassailing. So they had all these people coming. Here we go, a waffling among the leaves are green. They're like waffling. No, it's wassailing. And they finally figure out wassailing is wassail is the word. And you basically go around singing and getting drunk. Oh, then I'm on board for this. Let's do now, it. Now it's your favorite song. Right? Now it is my favorite song. Never mind. Now I understand why it's a favorite song because I get to go around getting drunk. Bo, well, what do you think? Our producers with this. Do you want to go wassailing with me? Let's go. Yeah. Go wassling with the Yule lads. Let's go hang out with Stubby and uh, Spoon Liquor. You know, uh, if I uh, get enough uh, Christmas cheer in me, quote unquote, I will go hang out with the Yule lads. You know? <laughs> but, well, if we do it and we've got Mary Lude with us, it's literally a horse's skull dressed up like a maypole. And you walk around and you go wassling, you go singing and you go drinking. And when it shows up at your door, it's just like trick or treat. If you do not give him a drink, he comes in your house and wrecks your crap. You know what? If I am similar, if I'm walking around drunk uh, during the holidays and I knock on your door and you don't let me in, I'm going to break your crap. So exactly. we have that in common. <laughs> yep, exactly. That is I... where this goes. And that, my friends, I would say, you know, if you see a ghost horse at your door, you know, give him a drink. What the heck? I would heavily recommend that Christmas, you know, and I mean, there's tons more to that one, but I think I've already done my lot with the Yule lads and Krampus. 
I think so too. And I, I, I have to say this travelers, this is just the beginning of our holiday, our uh, haunted holidays, yes. our haunted holidays. So, you know, stick with us because this month we are going to have more of it. Uh, Mark and Erica's ghost stories among other very epically cool episodes. So let us know what you think of Krampus and the Yule cat and the Yule boys. And, you know, what is your uh, holiday tradition in that regard? Yeah, uh, please let us know. And, and again, if you want more of this, the movie that ties this all together is the one I mentioned before. It's a movie called Rare Exports. And it kind of ties in the Yule Lads, Krampus, and a lot more. So definitely give it a give it a watch. You'll love it. Twists galore. And uh, with that gang, I think, you know, like, share, subscribe. Thank you so much for the wonderful holiday cheer you've been sending us. And we've been enjoying it ever since with the start of this, but you guys have been overwhelming us since Sawan and everything else. This has been just a great, great time of year for us. We're having a lot of fun. We're gearing up for a lot of events. We've been doing a lot of little local events over the holidays because we don't want to do too much traveling, but we're also gearing up for our books and our Patreon which will be launching in January. So stay with us for more information on that. And with that, Mark. Yeah, well, with that, it is the dark of the night. It is the time when the Yule Lads are coming soon. And the Krampus is definitely amongst us. So get out your whips and go out and chase naughty kids and put them in baskets. No, you're not allowed to do that. Not that here. is frowned upon. That is frowned upon here. But definitely get yourself some new clothes. Because if you don't, you might get disemboweled or eaten by a giant cat. And at the worst case scenario, you might have to hang out with spoon liquor or sausage swiper. And with that, gang, we'll see you on the other side. 